Welcome to the Veterans Perspective, presented by the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency, with your host, Director of the MVAA, Zanetta Adams. Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective. I'm your host, Zanetta Adams, Director of the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency. And uh, with Veterans Day less than a week away, today we're going to talk about what it means to be a veteran. Um, these conversations hopefully will be more personal, you know, more meaningful, and we'll be talking with different um, individuals from the veteran community um, about their service. Uh, to join us first will be Major General Paul Rogers, the Adjutant General of the National Guard and Director of the Department of Military and Veterans Affairs, Kevin Hensley of the VFW, and Rodney Loonsfoot of KBIC Tribal Council. Um, we are expecting um, to talk about time and service, post-military life, as well as, you know, uh, marked continuing service for our fellow veterans. And so we hope that you'll stick around and join us in this pre-Veterans Day uh, show. We'll be right back on the Veterans Perspective. Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective. We are talking about Veterans Day. Um, we know that, um, you know, that's coming up next Friday, I believe, and there's probably all types of events that you may be attending or looking to attend. Um, but we wanted to make sure we're sharing those stories of veterans and different veteran perspectives here in Michigan for you uh, to, to learn more about who's in your community. You know, uh, one of the things I'm often hearing is, you know, what is a veteran? Uh, how is someone classified a veteran? I, I just had a conversation the other day um, with an individual who said that his mom served in the military, but she won't go after her veteran benefits because she doesn't believe she's a veteran because she didn't serve in combat. Well, I'm here to tell you, um, I didn't serve in combat either. I'm a 100% disabled veteran. Um, I uh, served in the military. I went where I was supposed to go. I did what I was called to do. Um, I was injured in the process and I'm a veteran. And so my hope is that, you know, we can start to, to look at the question of have you or your family member served? And so I, I pose this question to you and to the community to maybe start asking in that way as well, not asking, are you a veteran, but have you or your family member served? And then we can get to the identification part, because if you're not identifying as a veteran and you don't realize that this day, Veterans Day, Veterans Benefits and Resources pertain to you, then you're missing out on so many things that can assist you and your family as we go through whatever we're going through in life. You know, uh, we talk about um, what it means to be a veteran and you know, I, I think as we're talking about the identification of a veteran, we should talk about, you know, why veterans join in the first place. You know, I, I, I often say um, a lot of times people join the military because we're running from something. We're running from maybe a small town. We're running from, you know, we didn't like our home life or maybe we're running to something as well. We're running to a, an opportunity for education and career and service and pride. But whatever your reasons are, you know, it's it's patriotic. And especially now, um, there hasn't been a draft since the Vietnam War. And so everyone who signed up and everyone who served and everyone who showed up, even if you were drafted, you know, you should feel proud about your service. And, uh, you know, I remember when, when I joined, I was in, um, I was in college. I was in the ROTC program there and I wanted to, you know, graduate and have my butter bars, as they would say, be a second lieutenant. And, um, you know, I had a choice between going to uh, 
the training camp, which was 35 day training through ROTC to kind of, you know, as my basic training, we're going to basic training. And in my mind, I said, you know, if I'm going to be leading individuals, I want to know what the experience is like. So I went through basic training while in the army and uh, life happened. I got married and, um, and then I ended up staying enlisted. But, you know, I joined because I had this sense of you know, even in, in, in my first year of college, I joined a military fraternity and I always wanted to do something bigger than myself. And I felt that service was that was that component. I mean, I, I had school, I was taking care of school on my own. You know, I didn't join until I was going into my junior year of college. Um, but I wanted to do something bigger than myself and I wanted to serve. And so that's one of the reasons why I joined and we all have our reasons. Um, but at the end of the day, um, we should be proud of the service that we served, no matter what what we went through and endured while we were in service, and no matter what. Um, sometimes, even even going to the VA may, you know, at one point in our lives, may have tainted how we feel as a veteran. But you know, I I will tell you that having been in the VA for so many years, things have improved, and so I don't want you to sit back and miss out on the things that could be helping to improve your life, but also be sowing seeds into your family. Um, because of something that happened in the past. I want you to proudly um, embrace your veteran status and proudly um, feel that you can go to the VA and talk about things. And guess what? If things are still not working right, there's patient advocates. You can call us at the MVAA and we can help you get get there as well. And, uh, you know, I, I just really do believe it's important that we identify and that when you're talking to other veterans in the space or other members of the armed forces who served that you encouraged in as well. You know, even in this role, I've heard people say that I'm not a real veteran and I don't know, I don't know what that means. You know, again, um, I went where I was supposed to go and did what I was supposed to do. And I voluntarily signed up for this role to serve our United States and our, and, and, and in my, my uh, state as well. And so um, I, I will proudly proclaim that I'm a veteran. And I hope that as we approach Veterans Day and as you, um, look at the service and remember the uniform, remember the camaraderie, remember the good things about your service and why you joined, that you can stand proudly, look at yourself in the mirror and say that I am a veteran as well. I challenge you to do that today. Um, you know, as we go forward, um, if you want to do a benefits checkup, maybe you, maybe you received some of your VA benefits in the past, or maybe you checked out some resources previously and there weren't things available for you. It's a new day. There's new resources every day coming online and there's new opportunities for healthcare um, within the VA and, and as well as um, other benefits within the VA. So I, I, I encourage you to give us a call at 1-800-MISHVET. That's 1-800-642-4838. Um, you can always get in contact with us if you want to find out things that are happening in your community. We can um, pair you with a buddy-to-buddy -buddy volunteer mentor. You can become a buddy-to-buddy -buddy volunteer mentor as well to help other people navigate just the civilian world as a civilian, veteran civilian. And so um, I want you to be proud of your service. I want you to know that you're eligible for many things out there. And I want you to give us a call to kind of do that benefits checkup to make sure you're receiving every single thing that you've earned. Um, I also want to encourage you that if you have any show ideas or you want to be a guest on the show to give us a call, or you can actually go to um, our michigan.gov slash MVAA website. Click on the about section, scroll down, and you can find out more about the Veterans Perspective. I'm excited to have the show today and to welcome our guest, 
And so when we return after the break, we'll be joined by Major General Paul Rogers of the Department of Military and Veterans Affairs. See you on the Veterans Perspective. Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective. Joining me as our first guest today is General Paul Rogers. Now, uh, General Rogers actually is the Adjutant General of the Michigan um, National Guard and the Director of the State Department of Military and Veterans Affairs. He's in charge of the Michigan National Guard, which includes more than 10,000 soldiers and airmen, as well as the Department of Military and Veterans Affairs, which houses the Michigan Veterans Homes, Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency, and State Ops. He's a combat veteran with more than who has 35 years of military service. He also earned his PhD in mechanical engineering from Michigan Tech. He served in the Guard since 1987 and received his commission through the ROTC at Michigan Tech. He was sworn in as the Adjutant General and DMVA Director on January 1st, 2019. Welcome back to the show, General Rogers. Thank you. It's great to be here with you. Uh, you know, we were just talking uh, um, offline about the, the many uh, hats that you wear, and you wear them so, I, I, I hope I'm being accurate with this, effort. it seems effortlessly, that's a great word to say, um, <laughs> but we're talking about your veteran status today and how you came to be um, in this position and, and all the roles that you have. So, you know, let's, I wanted to start by talking about your military service, sir, and uh, like what what made you go into the ROTC? I mean, you're engineering, mechanical engineer, so. Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, that's an interesting question. Um, you know, I, I uh, you know, grew up in a very patriotic family. My father was in World War II. In fact, he dropped out of high school uh, as a senior in high school to join the service in 1943. And, and then when he got back uh, from the war, he actually went back to high school. It wasn't a GED. He actually went back to high school. Um, and I've seen the, the clips of it. You know, there's like 65 people that did that. Uh, so that was a, it was a very unique time in our history. But I grew up uh, with those stories and the service and the expectation of service. Uh, and, and I often joke and blame uh, John Wayne because of all the John Wayne movies. You know, he fought and won every war that we ever served in uh, uh, single-handedly if you watch his movies. <laughs> so so you, you grow up in that culture, uh, you grow up in that environment uh, and that expectation of service. And I think you just naturally migrate into it. So it was a natural fit in high school. I was in a junior ROTC program. Uh, and then when I went to college, I joined the ROTC program with the goal of serving in the military. Well, you obviously love it. You've been serving for 35 years and you even had a tour in Iraq. With all of that time in service, what, I mean, I guess I'm sure your service has taught you a lot, but what is one thing that you would say was a, was a big thing that the service has taught you, your, your service in the military? Well, I, you know, I think it, it teaches you the, primarily to self-critique and to look at yourself. And uh, the Army has something called after-action reviews. Every time you do a training event or you, uh, you do an operation, you're expected to sit down with your team and critically look at your own performance and your team's performance. And I think it teaches you a little bit of that humility uh, and self-assessment because uh, none of us are perfect. We all make mistakes. Uh, but the more frequently we step back and in a positive way, self-assess, 
and self-correct, I think it can really help us grow as an individual and they help the team around us benefit from that also. So I think it's that, that self-reflection and, and holding them, you know, ourselves accountable. No, that's a great insight. And I, I think that, you know, after we leave the military, especially if you didn't serve 35 years or you maybe you weren't in a leadership uh, capacity, you may not remember that that's a thing to do, but that is a great tool to take away from even, you know, in, back into civilian life to remember to self-assess, critique, improve and move on. So um, that's great. I, you know, you um, are, we're, we're about to celebrate Veterans Day. Um, we just had this amazing gala with uh, individuals from different walks of the veteran sphere in the National Guard space. Um, what are some of the things you're, you're, you're thinking about doing to celebrate Veterans Day? Well, you know, we, um, we want to honor those who serve. Such a, such a low percentage of American citizens serve in the military and 85% of them came from military families or people with, uh, you know, family members that served uh, that are close to them. So, you know, I think uh, it's a, it, it is the 1%. You know, we often hear about one percenters and people are talking about uh, personal wealth. Uh, but really, the 1% I care most about are the, is the 1% of Americans who choose, chose to serve their country either on active duty or in the reserves or National Guard or any of the services. So it's really a time, again, to reflect on them, honor them, uh, recognize that they have put the needs of their nation, of their state, among their uh, ahead of themselves uh, at one point in their life. And they've really given back to our communities in a way that 99% of the rest of America has not done. Yeah, that... That's so true. And we've been talking about that. We see it in the news a lot more about the 1% and the, and the number of veterans that are serving. And so it, it, it is an important role. And I, I'm so glad that you're in the position to be able to elevate those voices as well and elevate the voices of National Guard members and their space in this veteran space as well. You know, one of the things we've been working on um, uh, as a department um, is making sure that transitioning service members are connected to all the resources that they need. Um, what advice would you um, have for those who are considering um, coming to Michigan and transitioning to Michigan? Well, I think first and foremost, Michigan is an amazing place to live. Uh, just a great community culture, uh, very patriotic, very welcoming. Uh, and there's just so many great things to do in Michigan. Um, I, you know, I, I, I think living here is a is a true treasure that we sometimes take for granted so as people are transitioning out of the military you know i really want them to consider their goals for themselves uh, and then take a good honest look at michigan and how the business culture here the educational culture the communities can really support that those goals and interests and potential family interests going forward uh, there's great potential uh, for career opportunities uh, throughout Michigan, and there's great potential to continue to serve in the National Guard uh, post active duty service. So you're, really, it's the, the opportunity is limitless here in Michigan, and people really should take a good, honest look at that and, and uh, determine how they can fit in to our communities. Yeah, that's a great point, sir. And uh, I think sometimes maybe people who are yearning to get back into the military and into service don't realize that they're like, oh, maybe I'm too old. I'm like 39 years old or 40. Uh, they should contact the, the Michigan National Guard to find out about those opportunities because they may they, that, that may not be the issue, correct? 
Oh, that's absolutely correct. Yeah, it's it's all it's worth the discussion, uh, and there are so many opportunities across the spectrum of uh, job specialties available here in the our Air and Army National Guard. Uh, and there's incredible educational benefits. We have great support from the governor. We have great support from the legislature. Um, they 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 put in policies and and um, practices that support veteran transition, military transition, and really help them and their families succeed. Uh, and one thing they're looking at now is expanding our educational benefits. So a service member, if they choose not to use it for their own uh, higher education, they will have the ability to share it with a spouse or a dependent. Uh, so that's the you know, Michigan National Guard's uh, state tuition assistance program. So uh, the again, uh, the environment is here, the opportunity is here, uh, and the family can benefit from an individual's continued service. Well, that's that's great information. And and, and sir, before we wrap up, I just wanted to to add, you know, that. Be you can't, we can't celebrate Veterans day, day unless you've served in the military. And so there are people who may be interested in, maybe they're looking for a job, maybe they just haven't found that right niche. What would you say to those folks that um, may even cons may consider joining the National Guard or maybe should consider joining the National Guard? Like what, what message do you have for them? Well, I really encourage them to come out and, and see what we do. Approach us, talk to us, come see where we might fit in. Uh, even non-citizens, every year we help people gain their citizenship much faster than they would if they were not in the military. So I think it takes seven to nine years, <laughs> typically. If you're a military member, it takes about two years to gain citizenship. So there's incredible opportunities. Ask the question, come out and talk to us and see how we can support you in your career and lifetime goals and see how you can give back to your community and state. Happy Veterans Day, sir. And thank you so much for joining us once again to talk about Veterans Day and issues in the state of Michigan. Great. Thank you for having me and thank you for your service, Zanetta. Thank you. Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective, presented by the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency. Now, your host, director of the MVAA, Zanetta Adams. Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective. Our next guest today is Kevin Hensley. Kevin is the Legislative Director for the Michigan VFW, where he works to improve legislation for veterans in Michigan and nationally. He's enlisted in the Air Force in 1995 as a Security Forces Airman and would go on to serve for 20 years. He was deployed eight times to the Middle East, including tours in Iraq and Afghanistan. As a result of direct exposure to burn pits during his deployments, Kevin was diagnosed with a terminal lung disease and toxic brain injury. He dedicates his energy into seeking treatment and pursuing legislative advocacy for better medical care for himself and other veterans who suffer from toxic exposure. Thank you for your service, Kevin, and welcome to the show. Thank you, Zanetta. It's great to be here, and I appreciate you having me on today. Yeah, you know, you're doing some great work in the state and in and, and your advocacy, and, you know, no one would even know that you're dealing with this life, you know, life-threatening terminal, you know, issue. So I, I would say that um, for anybody out there who's on the fence about helping and advocating, listen, Kevin's out here doing it every day and he's doing it while he's he's getting treatments. And, and so this is something that you can do as well. Um, Kevin, you know, you've been um, an unrelenting advocate for PACT Act and, and you've been working with veteran advocates across the country, actually, within our state and across the country. 
um, and we're instrumental in getting this historic legislation passed. And I know that, you know, some of this is part of a personal journey, but, you know, what was that feeling on when you found out that it was done, that we, we, get, we got this over the finish line? You know, um, it was a huge sense of relief. Um, I found out uh, three years ago that, uh, that there's four Michigan veterans who passed away from toxic exposure, and I was in contact with their families. And I made a promise to them that we would get this done and we would get this over over Capitol Hill. We would roll that boulder over Capitol Hill and we would get this signed. And then in June, the back and forth between the House and going to the Senate and the Senate making changes and the House re re uh, voting for it and then going back to the Senate and then it didn't pass. And then um, uh, it, it was frustrating. I felt like I let that those families down. I felt like I. You know, I work, we worked so hard to get the trust in those families. And then all of a sudden, you know, it was kind of ripped away. And then we, uh, we decided that we weren't going to leave Capitol Hill and we stayed out there in what was called Firewatch. And we stayed out there for six days. And uh, we decided to do this at Union Station after the press conference. And uh, we went out there and three of us started it. And by the end of it, there was over 157 folks out there. And, uh, we got it done and and then we were invited to the White House and on August 10th of 2022, the president put a uh, pen to paper and signed the PACT Act into law. Well, listen, on behalf of Michigan veterans and veterans all over the country, I just want to thank you for your continued service um, in spite of all of your, your, your trials and tribulations that you're going through. And, and, you know, speaking of service, you know, Kevin, you know, I would love to talk with you a little bit about the Air Force. You know, I'm not, no, no, no jokes today about the Air Force. I was Army, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I would love to talk to you. Like, you know, what made you join the Air Force? Uh, well, um, I uh, I went deep sea fishing off the Pacific Ocean, and I got seasick when I went deep sea fishing. So the Navy kind of went out of that whole perspective right there, as as it was. But uh, I've had family in the Navy, the Army, the Marine Corps, and uh, and also the Air Force. And of course, when the recruiters came to my high school in Holly, there in Holly, Michigan, and said, uh, you know, come join the service, and I talked to the recruiters, and you know, I was looking around for the people who weren't there. That was the Navy, and that was the Air Force, and so I went down to Pontiac, Michigan, where the Summit Place Mall used to be, and uh, went over there and uh, signed up, and I talked to them, and the guy, and the, my actual recruiter, believe it or not, did not lie to me. Everything that came from his mouth was the truth, and uh, law enforcement and security at that time were separated in the uh, security police slash security forces uh, career field. And a couple of years later, as I as I went down to Moody Air Force Base in Georgia and Valdosta, Georgia as my first base, they were already combined and doing things. And, uh, you know, I didn't have a uh, an interest in going to college at the time. And I had to find something else. My folks were moving out of state. And so uh, and I wanted to serve the, our country and that was the biggest drive there, but I just didn't know which branch and I found the Air Force and uh, I got a job with uh, security police slash security forces and took advantage of it. So 20 years later, here I am. No, 20, wow. plus years, yeah. 20 plus. I know. Right. Um, yeah, that's, uh, you know, uh, you, you served and you protected those, you know, in other countries and our, our country as well as security forces. And it seems like you're still doing that now through your advocacy for these legislative asks. Um, you know, what do you think was the most rewarding part of your service? The, the, 
the sense of uh, community, the sense of uh, uh, brotherhood and sisterhood, the sense of camaraderie there, knowing that um, even though you didn't know this person to your left or to your right, that you were willing to put your life on the line to protect them and protect those families back home. I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing that I miss. Uh, the nuances of the up and downs and the, and the, the circles of changes that happen, because uh, that's the only thing consistent in his life is change you, you can deal with. But, uh, you know, having those relationships and those partnerships and, and those uh, those bonds with folks is, is life le- lifelong and life lasting. Well, now you, you served, um, I think it was eight times in the Middle East you were deployed. You know, and and one of the things I talked about earlier was, you know, identifying as a veteran. And there's so many veterans out there who don't identify as a veteran because they didn't serve in combat. They didn't serve overseas. Maybe they served, you know, 10, 15 years in the National Guard or Reserve. What what do you say to that being the legislative uh, head of the VFW here in Michigan? I say if you raised your hand and you supported the Constitution and uh, against all enemies, both foreign and domestic, whether you're a combat vet or you're not. Um, you were less than the 1% that did sign up uh, for our country to protect and serve with you knowing that there was a chance of you being deployed in the future, possibly. Uh, so you're just as vital and just as important as those who, who went over because just because your number didn't get called or your time didn't call doesn't make you any less significant as those who uh, served in combat. I love that, Kevin. That that hits me right, right, right in the core. I mean, and and hopefully it encourages some other folks out there to stand up and identify their, their veteran status because it's important. Um, you're doing so much. Uh, what's your next fight? Like what more can we do? What more do, can we get on board with you as a community to help um, with veterans? Uh, you know, my next, our next uh, venture is trying to bring alternative uh Alternative modalities to veterans. Uh, we are in a, um, a, a thing right now where we're doing hyperbaric oxygen chambers for veterans once a month. Um, and we're also doing um, oxygen concentrators instead of carrying around the, the tubes on a wheels uh, on a cart. We're actually trying to give uh, veterans oxygen concentrators and we're looking at sending veterans through stem cell through uh, the country of Colombia and uh, basically giving these uh, things out to veterans for free, um, helping them and also just keeping up with the legislative fight of, you know, just because the PACT Act signed, there's so many other bills mm-hmm. that are out there. I mean, there's important bills like the, uh, the vehicle adaptation bill that gave a veterans a vehicle once every lifetime. Well, unfortunately, you know, as well as I do that in five or six years in Michigan, those vehicles mm-hmm. start to rust out. And so we're trying to get it down to every 10 years for those folks that need wheelchair accessibility and trying to get a vehicle uh, adapted to their, uh, to their certain disabilities to get them, to get them going. So. Well, that's great, Kevin. You know, just before we wrap up really quickly, can you just let everyone know where they can reach you or how they can get in contact if they want to become members of the VFW, find out more information or, you know, help, help in your advocacy? Sure. You can uh, look up the VFWMI in Michigan and go to their page on Facebook or go to uh, the page on the website uh, org. And uh, under legislative, you'll find uh, tools and resources out there to do grassroots uh, legislation for the state and for our federal uh, folks in Michigan as well. So thank you so much for having me on. And I really appreciate it. 
Thank you, Kevin. And thank you for your service. Thank you for your continued service. And you'll be in all of our thoughts and prayers. We'll be right back on the Veterans Perspective. Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective. We're joined by our final guest, Rodney Loonsfoot. Rodney is from Barriga in the Upper Peninsula, where he serves as a Keweenaw Bay Indian Community Tribal Council member and a Tribal Veteran Service Officer for Keweenaw Bay Indian Community. Rodney was also appointed by Governor Whitmer to serve on the Michigan Veterans Trust Fund Board of Trustees for a term that expires in February of 2024. Rodney is a veteran of the Marine Corps and the Michigan National Guard. And I do believe that Rodney is our first Native American veteran to serve on the Trust Fund Board. So welcome to the show, Rodney. Good morning, and thank you for having me. This is a really an honor to be able to share us a message of what we're, what's happening and what's going on. Thank you. Yeah, and I, you know, I just wanted to, just as a little background, the Keweenaw Bay Indian community um, is it, it consists of, and I don't want to pronounce it wrong. Is it Lanaz? Lons. 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 Yeah, yeah. There you go. I'm sorry. It's L apostrophe A A N S E. That's a little French spin for Lons. Is how we pronounce that. Barrett and Lons are two communities. Yes. And Antonagan bands. Yes, a band. Yes. Okay, and Lac Vey Desert. Lac View Desert, we Desert. refer to um, um, as LVD or Waters Meet, and they are now all by themselves detached um, from the Keweenaw Bay Indian community and a federally recognized tribe with their own tribal government, just as we have. Wow, that's amazing, and that's good to hear. So, you know, you you served in the military, and uh, so can you tell us a little bit about your time in the Marine Corps and then the Michigan National Guard? Oh boy. Okay. Uh, let's go. Well, when I was, um, in high school, we had some juniors and seniors who ran around in their camouflage uniforms and I've always wanted to be in the military. And me and my buddy joined, uh, the buddy, uh, the delayed entry program. We joined the Michigan national guard while we were in high school. So I got, I get to, I got to run around school on, uh, on those days and be proud of my uniform that I had on going through school. And uh, since pretty much since then, uh, since that time, I've uh, uh, we spent two years in the National Guard right there in Berga with the 107th Engineer Battalion. And then uh, um, I went on. Uh, there weren't too many jobs in the community, which was an issue. And so I ended up going on active duty into the United States Marine Corps from 84 to uh, 93. And uh, I blew on my shoulders in Somalia and that I was in Operation Restore Hope and ended up getting uh, medically discharged uh, back in 93 for my service connection uh, disabilities and things that had happened while I was in service. And that's been since 93. I've been uh, doing uh, a whole lot of other cultural veteran types of things that are kind of rolling into this and having to do with our with our our communities and our events and the things that we have. Tribal tribal veterans. There's a label that comes. There's a there's a term in our language, and it's called ogichida, and that is usually the term everyone um, references veterans as veterans have gone into service and things. And so, as ogichida in or the real definition is called 
is the strong hearted person. And that's what it takes to be able to do all the fighting that we do. Right. Gotcha. <laughs> so oh, that's, get kind of, that's kind of, Oh, get you O G I C H I D A A. I had also in this. Uh, um, so when I coming home, one of the things I was able to do, we created our own, our tribal veteran honor guard. And that is the way we don't society. So that, that is our, our home group that we have where we have now, uh, we had, uh, um, you know, a lot of members and, uh, just through COVID and things and our numbers are, you know, real, real uh, low, you know, and that's, uh, it's impacts the services and some of the things that we can try to do. But, uh, my best years that I've spent, uh, was, uh, when I was, um, on active duty, I got to do a whole lot of things and go to, a, you know, some different places. I was real proud of the fact that I can say that uh, that uh, when I um, we went on ship out of L.A. over to um, Somalia, and then when I got when then I got hurt and I got uh, medevaced out of there, I ended up going all the way around the rest of the world. <laughs> mm. So I'm kind of it's neat to say that because that's kind of what I'm doing, kind of coming back around full, full circle one more time and being able to get to serve all of our veterans that we have. Um, I'll also share on top of that that in the Indian community, I also run our, I am the Barriga Toys for Tots coordinator for Barriga County. Oh, very I, cool. Um, very cool. Yeah, I take care of all of that for our, um, uh, for the kids to make sure, you know, we fulfill our mission and making sure every child has a toy. And uh, so between that and all of the other veterans activities that rolled into that with the relationships I've had, that's what I'm actually looking at wanting to do to, um, um, build up and now uh, there's some there's some work here that i want to do here i, so I just want to um be available and be able to express and be able to share some of that thoughts and ideas of what's going on out there uh for what kind of the work that we're doing so i'm grateful that i can share this share this with you well rodney you know doing. Well, we want to thank you for your continued service after service, you know, being a veteran service officer and, you know, with Toys for Tots and then, you know, with your Michigan Trust Fund uh, board tenure that you just started. You know, I, you know, as we're talking about today, we were talking about identifying as veterans. Do you find that um, tribal veterans, Ogichita, um, I don't identify or do you, do you feel like they proudly identify? It's, it's a mix um, in, in uh, the, a lot of the older veterans um, that I'm dealing with there that I, you know, um, there, there is a, a, um, a, a real hard time to get them engaged and to reach out. You know, for instance, I, I, uh, I spent hours, hours with this gentleman trying to help to put him a package together for the trust fund and the county and everything else. And and all of a sudden, I'm I'm not sure what happened that um, he had completely completely turned the other way, and he said that he could take care of himself. Hmm. And so and so and uh, and that 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 had to do with one of one of the, the the larger obstacles here in that it's it's um they call them <laughs> administrative burdens, you know, when you got to fill out paperwork and that kind of thing, and how they how they delegate task that, I guess. And in for a uh, say a Vietnam veteran that we're trying to connect to services and things that of, uh, because of their age and just their their own their own person and relationships how they have it's really hard to walk in 
as, as a tribal veteran, you know, growing up with all of those things that we have had prior to service and when we were in, uh, and, and, and a lot of this has to do about our own cultural identity, because being able to walk into an office and having someone just stick another wad of paper in front of you and say, please fill these out and come in, then come back, isn't always, always the, that the engagement concept you want to go to, because that's not working anymore and has turned veterans away. Because yeah. when I had said that, yeah, yeah, I'll, we'll sit down and I'll help, I'll help, I'll help fill out all the papers working at and he said so many words and he kind of waved off and he said screw it i'm not gonna do all that paperwork in that so that's that those are some of the issues here that i know that the veterans are having and and that is um just because there's so much going on with that immediate need what our veterans are trying to do for me to be able to find uh i identify them our tribe we have uh all of our all of our veterans are able to get um, our own tribal special a uh, veterans license plates, mm-hmm. and that's one way. That's one way we know we can track how many veterans we have. And you know, from time to time, I'm not sure what the numbers are right now. Uh, we've had we've had some join, and then we had lost a few. Uh, so those um, to get that number and how many we need is um, it's it's a couple of handfuls in our community just because of how things have gone over the, over the years. And most of the time, some of the guys too, where I see them at ceremonies and powwows, and that's the other connection where this outreach, this alternative outreach, what I'm looking at is providing a different format uh, for uh, the tribal veterans to be able to come in and, you know, um, I don't want to say incentivize, but, but to turn around and uh, motivate some, something for them to be able to stay in with a different event. Like when we had our, our um claims clinic day with the va which which i set up this year that outreach like that is more effective well rodney i you know i i'm sorry we're so short on time but i want to thank you so much for coming on we'll definitely have to have you on the show again to talk more about what's happening in your community but i want to thank you for coming on today and sharing a little bit about your story and i I encourage people to learn more about the our our tribal veterans here in michigan Miigwech, and I and that means thank you in our language, and I I do look forward to our continued talks, and uh, um, I appreciate so much your effort in uh, letting us letting this happen, and I can't wait to talk. Thank you. See you next week on the Veterans Perspective. <laughs>